And uh, turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And we'll be reading from verses 16 through 26. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 26. Heavenly Father, we come before you, giving you thanks, giving you praise, not only for the many rich blessings, Father, that you shower us with each day, but, Father, for your presence, that your presence lives within us every day, for there is never a time you are not there. In our moments of our most vulnerable in the moments of feeling the most alone, Father, you never leave us. You never forsake us. You will always be with us. And for that, Father, we are truly grateful. But Father, we must also walk with you. And so this morning as we go over your word, your inspired word, your holy word, your living word. I pray that it would resonate in our hearts and in our minds and produce the actions of our faith. And I just ask this in Jesus' name. I'm reading out of the ESV, the Pew Bibles there might be New King James or you might have NIB or you might have New King James and that's fine. Um, but I'm reading out of Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 25. Some familiar passages, um, but it says, But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, which means hatred, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, and divisions, envy and drunkenness and orgies and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we, there, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And that is the verse that I'm going to focus on today for today's sermon. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. When I first read those scriptures, several sermons came to mind. In fact, I wrestled with which one to bring. In fact, as I read it, there's another one in there. And I'm sure if we sat down and studied with those that preach here and teach here, we'd probably come up for five or six. 
But what I would like to talk to you this morning about is walking and being led by the Holy Spirit. Walking and being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you were like me, some of you are and some of you are not, if you give me 20 pages of the instructions on how to put together a table saw, I'm going to go to YouTube and watch a three-minute video. I'm a visual learner, but I'm also a person who likes to know how to do something. And if anybody's ever spent time uh, listening to my sermons or under the teachings that I do, you will see that I rely heavily on application. It's one thing to say it, but how do you do that? And I know my brother Ron sits up here and goes, okay, how do we do that? And I think it's important that when we teach and we preach that we give the application of how do we do that? And so this morning, I want to share with you what the Lord shared with me on how do we walk? How are we led by the Spirit? Now, I'm sure there's great theologians out there, greater preachers, far greater than I will ever be, that will have several points, but I only have three this morning that the Lord shown me. But I think in order for us to understand the context of the verses, We need to have a context of what Paul is talking about. Now, what Paul is addressing in these verses is a very serious problem that was happening in the churches of Galatia. There was a certain sect of people called the Judaizers. And a Judaizer is a Jew who was saved in Christ but is still following and promotes the law. And these Judaizers were causing a significant problem in the new churches that were being established in Asia. And they focused on following the law more so than just having a simple faith in Christ. They promoted in Galatia more specifically that the new Gentile Christians, non-Jewish people that came to Christ, had to become circumcised in order to truly Be saved. Now, this was going on not just in the churches of Galatia. It got so bad that the first council of the church that we find in the book of Acts had to address it. Should Gentiles follow the law? And thankfully, the decision in that meeting of churches was no. Now, the Judaizers were going around doing this for several reasons. One is so that they can boast in the flesh as to who they were leading to the Jewish law. The second reason is they did it because as Jews who were saved in Christ, they feared the persecution of the Jewish people. you got to understand, early in the Christian faith, Christians saved Galatians or saved Gentiles and saved Jewish people would still go to the synagogues because that's where they would hear the word. That's where they would pray. That's where they would sing songs. Now, over time, because of the differences of the two, they began to split and you started to see established Christian churches. Even Paul and Peter preached in the churches or in the synagogues. And so what happened is there was these confusions And as a result, the Judaizers got in there and started telling the Gentiles that they needed to do this. And the pressure from the Jews was so great, it even influenced Peter. And if we go back into Galatians, we'll see where Paul addresses the fact that he had to address Peter. 
because of his hypocrisy. Peter, the rock in which the church was built, succumbed to the pressures of the Jews for Gentiles to follow the law. But here's the third reason why they did it. And this is the most important one that we need to grasp here today. They felt the need to validate their faith in Christ by external acts of justification and not just a simple faith in Christ. It was a legalistic activity that they were promoting, something they were freed from in their faith in Christ, something that Paul preached that they were freed from in Christ. And it led to legalism, it led to envy, it led to strife, it led to decisiveness, destroying what Paul had created and a division in the church. In fact, in verse 15, Paul even identifies what was going on. They were biting and devouring each other. It got that bad. Now you might say, well, that's great, Tim. Thanks for the context. What does that have to do with us today? Well, there's an application for us today out of Galatians. And what's interesting is there's something very disturbing about our human and spiritual condition in which we seek at times the external justification for our salvation in Christ. From the very beginning of the Garden of Eden, where they grabbed leaves to cover their nakedness because they were now shameful because they understood knowledge of their sin, we have sought to validate our relationship with God through external means. That's why the Gentiles fell so much for that trap in Galatia. You see, to prove it to you on a personal level, I came from a faith that taught and held to faith plus works was necessary for salvation. And this teaching took years to eradicate from my spiritual condition. Even today, some get confused between the works of faith and the works towards faith meaning some do not feel they're truly saved except by works or some religious code or rules they need to follow. Happens today. Their validation doesn't come from their faith in Christ alone, but by what they do. And so when they're doing and they're being validated for doing, their faith seems strong in Christ. But when they're not doing and they're not being validated, they seem weak in their relationship. And the reason for that is because they put their validation on their works and not on simple faith in Jesus Christ alone. So what's Paul's solution for this? What was Paul's solution for the Galatians? What, was, what is Paul's solution for us today? It's what I said earlier, and that is to be walk, and that is to walk and be led by the Holy Spirit. To walk and be led by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? What does that mean to walk and be led by the Holy Spirit? A.B. Simpson said this, it is to be under the control of the Holy Spirit in our body, that which we do, in our mind, that which we think, and in our spirit, that which we worship. It is to be under the complete control of the Holy Spirit in our body, Mind and spirit. So how do we do this? How do we walk in the Holy Spirit? How are we led in the Holy Spirit? 
Well, the first thing we need to have is a relationship. We need to have a relationship. When we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ in faith, not only are we justified, we are reconciled, we are redeemed, but we receive the person of the Holy Spirit within us. We receive the person of the Holy Spirit within us. We need to grasp that and take ownership of that because the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not just the power of God. He's not an it. He's not a movement of God. He's not the wind. He's not a ghost. He's a person who has the same attributes of God in being omnipresent, which means at all places at all times. He's omniscient, which means he's all-knowledgeable and all-knowing. And he's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. He listens. He talks. He has a will. He has an intellect. He has emotions. He is co-equal yet submissive to the triune Godhead. I'm not even going to go in there and try to explain that because I can't. It's a mystery. He's also a deity and is identified in the Bible as Jehovah. Therefore, the Christian who is indwelt with the Holy Spirit is indwelt with God himself. It's important that we get that. Because God is not some distant deity as with other faiths where there's this great Schism between God and the people who worship Him. The Christian faith is the only faith in which God lives in us and is personal and desires a relationship with you every day. At times I think we fail to recognize this. Yes, we can quote it. Yes, we can throw out scripture or we diminish it. Or maybe we just kind of put it in the back of our mind and go, yeah, he, he's, yeah, he lies within us. Listen to what J.B. Phillips says. He's a 20th century Bobber scholar from England. And they have this to say. The great difference between present day Christianity and that which we read in these letters, the new epistles, the New Testament and epistles, is that to us, it's primarily a performance. To them, It was a real experience. We are apt to reduce Christian religion to a code, or best say, rule of heart and life. These men, and it's quite plainly to see the invasion of their lives by a new quality of life altogether. They did not hesitate to describe this as Christ living in them. This Christian faith that we we walk is not just a system of do's and don'ts. It is a relationship with the Holy Spirit, with God himself. Now, what amazed me about this statement from J.B. Phillips is that um, how close his depiction of living by a code or a rule was similar to that of the Galatians and how they wanted to reincorporate the law to feel validated that, yeah, now I get it. I am part of something because I did that or I followed that or I observed that. 
instead of a simple faith in Christ, which is what saves you. Paul and many others in the early church had a personal and active relationship with the Holy Spirit. And they promoted it. Paul wrote about it. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians. I'm going the wrong way in my Bible. I don't have the arrows pointing. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. The closing statement of 2 Corinthians is something that we need to grasp in verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. What was the term in there that describes a relationship? What's the term in there? Your Bible may say it differently than mine. Mine says fellowship. Yours may say communion because it means the same thing. Paul uses this term fellowship in his closing statements of his second letter to highlight the fact that we can have a fellowship with the Holy Spirit, that we can have communion with Him. You know what communion means? Sharing in everything. Sharing in everything. And because we have this fellowship and we have this communion, when you bring those two together, guess what you get? You get a relationship. You get a relationship. And if we can grasp this, then we'll change from what Philip says as being a religious person, observing the law, doing this, doing that, to a true child of God who walks with him, who talks with him, just like the song says. Additionally, in this relationship, we get to know Jesus through this relationship of the Holy Spirit. Please go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. I need a drink of water here. Haven't been feeling good all week and I kind of lost my voice, but we're going to muscle through. Some of you said amen. Who said that? All right. John. (laughs) Ron was diming you out, Doris. All right, um, let's go to John chapter 16. This is verse, uh, verses 5 through um, 15. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, him being the Holy Spirit. And when he, Holy Spirit, comes, he, Holy Spirit, will convict the world concerning sin and unrighteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He, Holy Spirit, will guide you into all the truth. For He, Holy Spirit, will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take that what is Mine and declare it to you. 
All the Father has in my... All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Do you know what that's saying? Although it says a lot, there's a lot of doctrine in that. But what it's saying is our relationship with Jesus Christ is through the Holy Spirit. And it first began when the Holy Spirit wooed you into the presence of Jesus Christ convicted you of your sin and unrighteousness, gave you the faith to believe in Jesus Christ unto salvation. We know Jesus by what he taught, by what he said, by faith, through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us to know Jesus. And it's a wonderful relationship that we have. We didn't get to walk with Jesus on this earth, but we walk with him every day closer than the disciples did at the time because he resides within us. He's taken up permanent residence. Romans 8, 9 says this, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ, the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. The Holy Spirit brings us into union with Jesus. It's just not walking with him. It is in union. We're one. Galatians 2.20 says, very familiar verse. You guys could probably all stand up and quote it. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Amen. Now, in this relationship, there are several things that are very important to maintain it. And the first one is communication. Communication, healthy communications, are the basis of any good relationship. Growth in any relationship is dependent upon effective communication, no matter if it's personal or whether it's business. No relationship can survive if there's no communication. It is the same with our relationship with Christ through the Holy Spirit. Now, how do we effectively communicate with the Lord? Well, it's done in two parts. There's two parts. The first part is sending. The first part of communication is sending. And we call that in church prayer. Prayer is the most important and first work of the Christian. And as Nigel said last week and the week before, it's also the most neglected. It's valuable in developing and deepening our relationship in Christ by way of the Holy Spirit. It's essential for us to pray. And I'm not talking... the. Now, now, there's various types of prayers, guys. There's prayers of supplications. There's prayers of thanksgiving. There's prayers of confession. There's prayers of intercession. There's a host of prayers. What I'm talking about is that secret prayer where you're pressing in and you're asking God to look deep in your heart and asking the Holy Spirit to see deep in God's heart. It's that quiet prayer, that secret prayer where the sole purpose of that prayer is to develop this union that you have with the Holy Spirit, with God himself. 
But there's also the receiving part. The receiving part or the listening part. This we achieve by reading God's Word. The majority of what God has to say to us comes by way of His Word. You know who He is. You know His attributes. You know what He likes. You know what He dislikes. You know where He's been. You know where He's going. You know everything about God by revealed by His living Word. And He speaks to us through His Word. Now there's a thing back in the old days it's called Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina. Has anybody ever heard that? Josh was nodding his head. Lectio Divina. I'm going back a little bit in time. Lectio Divina was a process of prayer. The first part is Lectio, which means to read. To read the Word of God. But you're not reading it to accomplish something. You're reading it to see what the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you. And when that word or that phrase or that chapter or that sentence just hits you, and you go, wait a minute, what does that mean? What, 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 what? It grabs your attention. Then you move on to the next, which is meditation. You take that whatever it was in the scripture and you meditate on it. And you meditate on it. Some days they would meditate on it all day. And then that would leave to oratio, which is to pray. You take what you've read, you meditate, now you pray, and it, then it leads to Lectio Divina, which is contemplation. That's when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and draws you deeper into a personal relationship through His Word. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the Word of God, which you heard from us, and you accepted it as not as the Word of men, but as what it really is, the Word of God, which is at work in you, the believers. The Word of God is working in you. Allow it. Read it. Receive it. Meditate on it. Listen to what he has to say. In a relationship, we also need trust. Without trust, one cannot fully invest in another relationship. Trust provides security. It provides safety. It provides an environment where we can be vulnerable and share our deepest thoughts our deepest concerns, and yes, our deepest hurts. The Holy Spirit provides us with this trust when he says, trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not unto thy own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. We can put our trust in him. But you know what wraps a relationship from communication and trust and makes it a true relationship is love. Is love. I don't care what relationship you're in, friends, family, or with Christ, it's anchored and needs to be anchored in love. One of the wonderful fruits of the Holy Spirit is love. And for we receive the love of Christ through his Holy Spirit, and it is agape love, it is a godly love, it is a perfect love, it is a complete love. A relationship built on love is one in which each person desires to serve and fulfill the desires of the other. Right here, we have a newlywed couple. They were joined together in Christ in love. Josh would do anything for Laura and Laura would do anything for Josh because they love each other. 
My wife, you know, you show different signs of love as your relationship matures. Even though my wife doesn't open the door for me anymore, she still loves me by showing me. I will go down and I'll wake up and I'll take my shower and I'll get ready for work and there's a brand new can of Barbasol shaving cream. I didn't even know I was low. I only know that when I go, ah, dry shave day. It's when, because of the love that we have for each other, we'll do things for each other. That's why we do them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son because he wanted to save you. It was God's desire from the beginning to fill you. For the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. And his desire is for we or us to love him. You shall love the Lord your God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the essence of a relationship. And love needs to be present. And so the first step in walking and being led by the Holy Spirit is to have and develop and continue to develop a relationship with him. Because he is a person. The second thing we need to do in order to walk and be led by the Holy Spirit is we need to decide to walk and be led by the Holy Spirit. Go back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, the focus verse of this this morning. And it says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That is an imperative statement. meaning we have an obligation to continuously choose to walk in the Holy Spirit. It's a decisive act of your will. It is a choice. Although we receive the Holy Spirit in full when we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, we need to make a conscious decision to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't occur automatically. It doesn't just happen. All throughout God's word, we see that they had to make a choice. We can either desire to live by the Spirit or we can desire to live by the flesh. I find no middle ground in between those two statements. There's no happy medium. There's no, I'll just hang out. Now, I want to share something very special that God revealed to me. Probably already known to you, but, you know, I got a thick skull. The choice that we make because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ by way of His Holy Spirit is just not an intellectual one. It's just not one based in reasoning or rationale. It's more personal than that. Look at verse 17. 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, this verse can be a little confusing because of the terminology at the end of the verse. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. 
Now, there are two ways to see this verse. Either it's addressing what we want to do in the flesh or what we want to do in the spirit. Now, when we study this and we understand what Paul is saying in relationship to context, we see that what he's saying is what we want to do is in the flesh, not in the spirit. And it's important for us to understand that because it says from doing the things you want to do in the flesh. You know what that's saying? That because you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ by way of his Holy Spirit, even in the decisions you make, there is influence and interference by the Holy Spirit. It's just not a logical choice of reasoning or intellect. It is a guided choice by the Holy Spirit. Let me give you an example of that. Jalahan, can you come up, please? We pre-coordinated this, so you think I'm pulling her up here to embarrass her. If you just stand right there. If Jalahan is making a decision whether to be follow the flesh or follow the Holy Spirit, it's not like the Holy Spirit's over here saying, pick me, pick me. Or the flesh is over here going, pick me, you'll have more fun. It's not like that. John, stand right here. It's like this. John, I know you want to make a choice right now. And I know over there, it looks fun. But over here is purity. Over here is the way in which I want you to go. This is the direction I need you to go. This is where true life is. This is where strength comes from. This is where wholeness comes from. This is the way you need to go. Not over there. Thank you. That's how it is. You're just not off to the side going, man, which way should I go here? Man, they make compelling arguments. No, he's right there saying, choose me. Choose me. Now, when we get that imagery in our minds, we will never feel like we have an isolated choice. He interferes. He intervenes. Because we have that loving relationship with him. Now, I do need to say that at times, even in the midst of that influence, we may still decide to do the things of the flesh. And when that happens, we grieve him. We grieve him, and it's important for us to understand this. Ephesians 4.30, Paul writes, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Paul uses the word grief here, which means to cause sorrow, to cause pain, to cause distress. It's just not a choice between the flesh and I'll ask for forgiveness later or the spirit. The choice has consequences. Not only for you, but it causes sorrow and pain and distress to the one that you love. Now it's interesting, Paul uses the term greed versus anger. As we hear in the Old Testament, when men sinned, in the Old Testament, there was penance by way of some sacrifice. And if it persisted, there was judgment. Here, Paul uses the term to bring in the element that's very important to understand, and that is the element of love. Spurgeon, who uh, Ron taught on Wednesday night, 
two weeks ago, I think. Spurgeon got away with words. He once said, to anger someone is of no consequence if you have a hardened heart, but grieve someone is different if you love them. That's the difference. That's the difference. We grieve those whom we love and we experience grief when someone we love grieves us. It's like a father or a parent who grieves their child. Or how about the time that you disappointed your mom or your dad? How did you feel? I mean, you really disappointed them. They didn't even discipline you. They just looked at you as Jesus looked upon Peter. And all of a sudden you had that feeling in your gut. It's just upsetting. And you're like, oh, I feel horrible. That's grieving the Holy Spirit. And the, and the reason I'm saying you have to grasp this is because you need to understand it's not a simple choice. There's ramifications with that choice. And understanding that we have the potential of grieving the Holy Spirit may keep us from making that decision for the flesh and not walking and being led by the Holy Spirit. Finally, in order to walk and be led by the Holy Spirit, we need to yield to the Holy Spirit, or as we would call it, obedience. It is one thing to choose It is another to act. Once we choose, we must yield no matter our pride, no matter our self-interests, no matter our desires, no matter of what our image is going to look like or the fear of consequences of being rejected maybe or the temptations that's fueling our desire to choose the flesh. We must yield to the Holy Spirit. Now, just as in the making of a decision, the Holy Spirit is not separate, but with you, guiding you, interfering, there's something very wonderful that happens when we yield and we obey the Holy Spirit. And that is we unleash the power of the Holy Spirit to be obedient. We unleash the power of the Holy Spirit to be obedient. You know, if you read all the way through God's word, you hear, don't do this, don't do that. And that seems at times that we're supposed to have this bootstrap faith where we just pull up our boots, gird up our loins and get her done. That's not how this faith works. That's not how this relationship works. That's not how your salvation works. That's not how we walk and be led by the Holy Spirit. Because when we commit our life to Jesus Christ in faith, we are infused with the power of the Holy Spirit to live that life in Christ. Because you can't. I've tried. It doesn't work. Might be admirable, but it don't work. Acts chapter 1-8. Lord's Lord, Lord bringing this to a close, whether I like it or not. Acts chapter 1-8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, 
That Holy Spirit power that came on Pentecost wasn't just for the day of Pentecost. It doesn't just fuel Peter's sermon that saved thousands or have them speak in languages that were not even their own. This is the same power that operates in you and I today. It's the power of the Holy Spirit to allow you to live this life and be obedient to Christ. For I have been crucified in Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That verse was so great, I used it twice. Now, as with making the wrong decision and grieving the Holy Spirit, if we don't obey, something other, something else happens. That is, we quench the Holy Spirit. We can quench the Holy Spirit. If we do not desire to yield and we could desire to continuously walk in the flesh, we will quench the Holy Spirit. What does that mean, to quench the Holy Spirit? It means to suppress and extinguish the Holy Spirit. If we choose to walk in the flesh, and let me just say this, you know you are. You know you're walking in the flesh. You know right down deep inside of you where you don't want to go, you know you're making a decision for the flesh. And when you do that, you're making a conscious effort to quench the Holy Spirit. And we can do such a great job in doing that, we can quench it to almost to the point where you don't even see a personal relationship. And what happens in your life? You feel powerless. You feel empty. You feel out of sorts. You feel restless. You feel uneasy. You feel conflicted. You start walking in the flesh and you start exuding exactly what was happening in Galatia. There is no peace in the flesh. There's no purity in the flesh. There's no up moral standing in the flesh. It'll eat you alive and your relationship. Now, it's my belief that if we truly are His, we cannot fully extinguish the Holy Spirit. Praise God. You cannot suppress it to the point where you can suppress it to the point where you could just walk away, but eventually God is going to bring you back by way of discipline. For His Word says, He disciplines those whom He loves. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, if you're on the end of that, it's not very pleasant. It's not very fun. Let it not be with us. Let it not be with us. We need to allow the movement of the Holy Spirit as He convicts us of our sin and unrighteousness and minister to our hearts to the high call of Christ and allow Him to fan the flames of His Spirit in our hearts so that we live for Him by walking and being led in His Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, this morning I talked to you about how to be led and how to walk in the Holy Spirit. It all begins with the relationship. It is a conscious decision, but it's influenced and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And when we decide to walk in the Holy Spirit, we need to yield under obedience, releasing the power of His Holy Spirit for us to live this life for Christ. Now, maybe some of you 
after hearing this, feel like you've been on the road of the flesh. You've been living for the flesh. And you've reaped the rewards of the flesh. Brothers and sisters, repent. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now. Repent. Repent of your sin. Unleash the power of God and begin to walk and be led by Him in your relationship with Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, for the truth that it preaches. I thank you that we can walk in the truth that it preaches. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father God, you would move in our lives in such a way this morning that we would always walk and be led by you. For when we do, Lord, we are living that abundant life you promised us in every phase of our life, in our body, in our mind, in our spirit. I pray that to be this day in Jesus' name, amen.